Well, good morning, everybody. If you can uh, kind of find your seats. Um, this is a, one, a time of life where I find myself now always looking for my glasses. Couldn't see with them before. I can't see without them now. So <clears throat> at least to read. Um, so this, this class uh, is about de- dealing with fear from a biblical perspective. And uh, it's based on a book by Edward Welch called Running Scared. And I'm not following it, you know, letter by letter, but uh, I'm taking a lot of the information from there and and, uh, looking at it and kind of rolling it around to figure out what we do with it. You're welcome to buy the book if you want to have it and and read through it. It is a a fairly easy read, but it's very instructive and helpful. Um, So if you need information about that, let me know. Yeah, Amazon, I think it was like $12, $13, something like that. Um, so with that, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, and we'll start talking about this. God, our Father, we thank you that you help us to understand our fears and that you give us ways to deal with them, um, and that ultimately you bring us into a closer relationship with you as we deal with our fears. Bless us as we talk about this now. May you be in our midst, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start by asking, um, what is the first time we hear about fear in the Bible? Let the kids answer first. What do you think? What's the first time in, in the Bible that we hear about fear? What do you think? Adam and Eve, good answer. Wow. All right. So do you remember what it was, what, what, how, how it was said? I won't put you on the spot. Okay, it's, it's Genesis chapter 3. Let's go there. And uh, we're going to look at verse 8 through 10. <clears throat> Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's... um, when fear started, I guess, and uh, it's become a part of life for all mankind since the fall, and uh, it's a fixture of life. You know, it's, it's, it's what we deal with every day. The fear starts when we were children, right? I mean, um, <laughs> I have a, a memory of a fear that occurred one night as I was trying to go to sleep. Um, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 10, 12, something like that. I was absolutely convinced there was a, a, a convict, bad guy, in my closet because I could hear him. I could hear his breathing. He was rasping away in there, and I thought, he must have been running hard because he he's breathing hard, and he's coming for me. I kind of laid there for a little bit, and I thought, wait a minute. I think that's the fencer. We lived on a farm, and so when a piece of grass or something would lean on the fence, it, it would short out, and it would make a buzzing sound, very rhythmic. And so 
Mom and Dad had the TV on downstairs, and, and it was coming back through that. I couldn't hear the program, but I could hear the, I could hear the fencer. Just enough to make me think, ah, there's a bad guy in the closet. Um, and we go to our teen years, right? So when we're teenagers, what is there to fear? We don't fear anything, right? Well, yeah, you're going to junior high, and everything's new and different, and then you may be facing high school, and... and uh, uh, will I have friends in junior high and high school? Will I, will I, you know, when I graduate, will I go to college? Um, will I get drafted, which was a very strong possibility for me, and I did. <laughs> if I get drafted, will I end up in Vietnam? Will I need to find a job? How will I find a job? Wow, all kinds of things. It, what about you? Any of you feel like sharing something that you remember as fears when you were children or, or teenagers? Just briefly. <clears throat> I mean, I have my perspective, but I'm sure you all had yours. Pretty common things, though. We, we have fears, and, and I think we don't think of them until we sort of look at our lives back then and say, hmm, yeah, I guess I was kind of feel fearful. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've overcome those probably, and we're fine. But uh, um, so did those fears go away when you became an adult? No, no, I, I, it's, it seems like the older we get, uh, the more fears we, we face. Uh, our imaginations, the ones we're born with, kind of go into overdrive, I think, and uh, we invent skillful new ways of, of feeling worried and afraid and anxious. We've got things like, um, oh, providing for our families or that, that retirement nest egg that we want to build or um, politics. Wars, terrorists, crime, social unrest. Debilitating um, disease. Alzheimer's. Uh, COVID-19. They all contribute to our fears and no one is immune from these things. So we're going to discuss some ways for how to handle these fears and we're going to do them in a, understand them in a biblical and God-honoring way. Standing up in front of a crowd. And- oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah, talking in front of a crowd. That's a, that's a favorite phobia of most people, I think. Um, have you ever met anyone who said, I don't have any fears? But then the more you talk to them and kind of poke at that, you, you, you learn that, yeah, they, they have fears. They just have decided that they can deny those fears and, and just keep moving on. Um, and I think, to be honest, that was me. I, I don't have any fears. Well, maybe I do, a few. <laughs> and the more I think about that, the more that comes true. So there are common sources of fear, such as uh, psychopathologies like depressions and uh, paranoid schizophrenia, PTSD, to name a few. And then... Uh, the, you know, these bring really higher levels of pain and, and they have the ability to paralyze people with fear and cause all kinds of um, difficult things for life. Uh, there are phobias as well. You know, we have... I found a new phobia, which I'd never heard of. Is, I have to read this carefully. Arachibuterophobia. Anybody know what that is? No? No? Arachibuterophobia is... The fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. (laughs) 
I thought that was kind of funny. And glossophobia is the fear of speaking in public. You know, and, and it, it takes a bit to overcome that, right? You can do it, but it's really hard. That, that was really kind of always been a lifelong fear of mine. And uh, probably most of us have uh, uh, some form of that as well. There's, there's lots of phobias, and they can really be uh, difficult for us to deal with. The central issue for every one of these is fear and anxiety. Um, what, are the, what are the usual fears we often take on? What do you think? What are some fears that we take on that you, you all think of when you think about fears that you take on? The basics? Of life. Life, yeah. Like what? Food. Food clothing, clothing. Shelter. Provision, yeah. Provision. Right? Pat, you had one. Fear of being accepted by others. Uh, will they like me? Will they stare at me? Oh, yeah. Will they think of me? Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Anybody else? Yeah. Death. Death is a, is a big one, right? We, we fear death. It's, it is uh, not something we look forward to in one sense, and maybe in others we do, but... Only if you if you find your life in Christ, yeah. The what ifs. What ifs, yeah. We're going to talk about some of those, yeah. Yeah. You know, do any of you have loved ones that don't know the Lord? So you might fear that they would die before they know Him, right? Um, I think. Um, Diseases like Alzheimer's, very troubling. Um, um, there's fears about what you might lose, or fears about what, um, you know, like like fears like uh, losing your figure, <laughs> or uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, your hair. Mine's getting kind of thin. Youth, your mind, your money, your job, your, ho- your spouse, your hobbies, your health, purpose, faith. All of these things are fears about things we might lose or not be able to get, right? Uh, the most common fear for married men is uh, the anxiety of providing well for a wife and family. Anytime you, anytime you love or want something deeply, you will notice fear and anxiety because you might not get them or you might lose them, and any time you can't control the fate of these things, you will notice fears and anxieties will come up. It's kind of an important foundational thing to understand. Well, we have reactions to fear, you know, sweaty palms, accelerated heart rate, palpitations, perspiration, all those kinds of things that, that happen when we, when we have fear, especially an immediate fear. Um, when I was, I think, four or five, I was outside playing in the yard, and <clears throat> we had a porch that was inset, and I decided I had to go see mom in the window. So I, I, I climbed up on the porch, and I tapped on the window, and it was, it was hot, and it was black. And I thought, oh no, mom's inside, excuse me, <laughs> and there was a fire in the kitchen, although I'm not sure how I knew that. I mean, at that age, I don't think I knew what that meant to have a fire in the house, but um, my body reacted instantly to that danger and threat, and uh, I felt completely overwhelmed with fear and dread. And I did the only thing a little guy like me could do, screamed my head off. <laughs> and 
Mom wasn't in the house. I found that out right away because they both came running and they called the fire department and they came and put the fire out. When we're aware that anxiety has registered a fear of physical level, we call it stress. And we often live with a lot of stress in our lives. Um, if you listen closely to the stress, you, uh, the stress, you will probably detect the theme of control. Stress is saying that life is teetering at the farthest reaches of your ability to maintain control. Anger uh, is a clue to understanding fear as well. There's a godly anger that, see, that stems from a desire to defend God's holy name. R.C. Sproul this morning on Renewing Your Mind was talking about Jesus as he cleared the temple. And his anger was a godly anger because he wanted to defend his, his father's name. And that's why he cleared the temple. But <laughs> I don't think any of us has that kind of anger. And, and usually ours is tinged with sin and, and we couldn't react the way that Jesus did in the right kind of anger. But often when you listen to someone's anger, we frequently find fear. If you think about that, it, it takes a little bit to wrap your mind around it, but it's true. Um, on the surface, anchors, anger says that you are wrong and I'm right. And it, that's, that's a common way that we think about that. Um, <clears throat> but Really, fear is present. For example, when we see someone who's angry, <clears throat> when they discuss something about politics, they're saying, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my freedom. I'm, gonna, I'm afraid I'm going to lose something that is valuable to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. The only, <clears throat> and the only way I feel I can get some control is to respond in anger to anyone who disagrees with me. The problem with anger is compounded for men because <clears throat> uh, men aren't supposed to be afraid. With no per permission to discuss fears, men opt out for anger. Uh, their anger may be saying, this is the only way I know how to uh, get control, get some control in an out-of-control world. And so they, they lash out in anger to try to gain that control. It's, it, in a sense, it's no longer just the men that feel way, that way either. I, we see a lot more anger in, in our society, men and women both, who are lashing out in anger <clears throat> about someone who disagrees with them or a different view, point of view. They can't discuss it because they don't feel like they're in control anymore, so they have to lash out in anger. But <clears throat> the problem is control that emerges uh, because of anger is very temporary. There may be some control initially, but it's temporary and, and it's, um, it's not helpful. James 4, verses 1 and 2. Let's go look at that. <clears throat> James 4, 1 and 2 say... <clears throat> What causes fights and quarrels among you? Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you want something, but you don't get it. <clears throat> we want control, but when we try to get it in our own way, it causes more issues than it can fix. And we remember then any, any control that we try to make in there for, with anger, it's, it's temporary in its results. Probably not even good results at that. <clears throat> Now, admitting that we have fear does not imply 
we are dealing badly with it. Because as we've seen, we all have fear. Uh, As a starting point, we have to acknowledge that we have fear in order to better comprehend how to deal with it. Um, Especially in a godly way. And it's important to understand that denying fear is not beneficial, and it can't even be harmful. Um, So fear speaks, and and so we've got to understand what that means. When we acknowledge that all of us have fear and anxiety, the next question might be, is there a purpose to our fear? Well, yes, there is. Um, Fear identifies that we are in danger in some way. Take, for instance, the time I mentioned we had a fire in our house. Uh, when do we find? When we find danger, we react to it because there's something we have to do. There's something that that's needed to fix that problem, and maybe it's out of our control, or maybe there are things we can actually do to affect that. <clears throat> and so life is dangerous, and and there are reasons to be afraid. There are many dangers that we face all the time. Besides possible accidents that can harm us, there are routine activities we involve ourselves in where we will endanger ourselves. You know, I I like to work in my shop. So there are saws and there are all kinds of ways that I can injure myself in there. And so that's, that's something I have to really... That kind of fear is important and good. It's helpful. Uh, it helps me be more safety conscious. Um, so working with machines, driving a car, I mean... We have to have some fear there in order to say, I'm going to drive safely. The absence of fear might get you in a place where you don't want to be. (laughs) You might drive off the road in a place that you can't get in or out of again and and be stuck. And so that's not a good thing. Sports can have another uh, danger aspect to them. There are injuries that can happen as a result of, uh, you know, running on the soccer field and hitting a hole on the field and twisting your ankle tearing out your knee, or you know, just, just there's lots of ways you can be injured playing a sport. Um, and I think we can all think of different ways that, that are dangerous and threatening that we need to be aware of and be careful with. Um, the Psalms are a good place to go when we want to think about our fears. And uh, the psalmists. Uh, give us some examples of how they express and deal with fear. Let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 first, and then then I'll stop for just a second, and we'll look at verse 3 again after that. I forgot to mention there are handouts back there, but maybe you all knew that already. Yeah? Anyway, Psalm 3, verse 1. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Ooh, that's kind of a hopeless little deal right there. I mean, the psalmist is saying, I am afraid. I'm afraid because I got a lot of foes. I got a lot of enemies. And they're saying, I don't have any salvation. There's no salvation for me in God. But then he comes to verse 3 and he says, but you... O Lord, are a shield about me. What a wonderful thing to to look at and think about. How about Psalm 4? Go to the next one there. Psalm 4, verses 2 and 3. How long, O men, 
Will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Verse 3 answers, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. It's another plea. He's he's, uh, complaining about in his fear and anxiety because of the way he's being treated. And he realizes in verse 3 that, um, well, the Lord set apart the godly for himself. That's a real comfort. How about Psalm 10, verses 1 and 2? Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. Sometimes we feel alone and and anxious in our fears and anxieties. um, As though God has hidden his face from us. Don't we wish that God would treat the wicked like this? That he would hide his face from them? But we can be confident that God will judge them in the end, and it won't be a very nice place for them. So even if, we don't, if they don't get what's coming to them on this earth, they should have a fearful judgment. And there's hope in that for us, because we see that as believers, we don't face that same judgment. We know that we belong to him, and he, he will care for us to the end. So the psalmists invite us into these perilous situations with them. And in seeing them seek and find answers from God, we learn some things about how we can respond to our fears. We are vulnerable in this dangerous life, but we can still be safe. Take driving a car, for instance. You know, it's, it is dangerous. You, you only have to drive down the freeway and see somebody beside you texting while they're driving to say, this is dangerous. And there are all kinds of problems that come up when we're driving. Um, but we can be safer if we, if we wear a seatbelt, be alert when we're driving, uh, buy a car that has good safety devices in it. Um, it. But if we fear only dangerous people in difficult circumstances, we just would take the precautions we need and live the best we could. But fear is about us, right? If you listen, you will hear, I am not in control. That's a good one to think about because... We are not in control as much as we like to think we are. We have to admit that we are dependent people with limited control. We want to control our destiny, but we don't have any superpowers. <laughs> so we must trust God. If we're honest, we have to admit that we'd like to take the controls for God. We'd like to do it ourselves. We would like to fix the problems and the dangers that we face. But he doesn't want us to do that. He, he gives us these things for a purpose. Um, I'm a fix-it kind of guy by nature. And I, I, you know, I fix machines. And there are a lot of things I can fix. Um, broken things, things that... But they're all mechanical things and you know, things I can hold in my hand. I can't fix things like when God ordained uh, that my sister was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Can't fix it. So need um, equals our vulnerability. Authentic humanness was never intended to be autonomous and self-reliant. Humans are needy by design. Uh, So we have to ask ourselves, will we abandon the myth of independence and seek God? 
Fear relates to control, which relates or links to God. They're all linked together. Will we seek God in the midst of fear or danger? Another way to express our vulnerability is through our experience of need. If we need comfort, we will fear physical pain. If we need approval, we will fear criticism. If we need love, we will fear rejection. If we need to be admired for our attributes, we might fear becoming overweight or bald. Whatever we need is near what we fear. Um, what, we spe- what we see as especially, especially valuable to us is something we love and might fear losing or not having. Uh, some of you know that, for me, work is a, a great value to me. I love to work. So I fear idleness. Um, and this fear shapes my decisions and the way I think. It, causes, it can cause friction in our marriage. And, and I would have to say, this has been helpful for me to know. And that's one of the reasons we're talking about this is because as you identify your, your fears, your anxieties, the things that make you anxious and worried, um, I hope you will see that there's a, a way that you can capture that and, and realize this is something I can turn over to God. This is something I can relinquish, relinquish and let, control, let God control instead of me. So there are times when fear says that something is just plain dangerous and I should be afraid, as we've kind of said, um, so that I can avoid pain and injury that can come from the danger I face. The goal here, though, is to listen to our fears and learn how to decipher what they are saying. When we pause to listen, we may find that our fears, uh, that fear says a lot and it speaks clearly. What it says can provide me with helpful direction. And I would say this, this exercise so far has been very helpful for me to understand the things I fear, my wants, my needs, my desires. And um, if, if, if the fear um, is just about the dangers of this world, there's little I can do. But if it's about me, there may be a way through. And you, there may be a way through. Um, what do our fears say we trust in? What do you think? As you think about this, what do your fears say you trust in? If you feel comfortable answering that. Okay, in ourselves, yeah. I'll speak for myself personally. When uh, I'm afraid of something or anxious about something, it's because my focus is I can't manage it, and that's what makes me afraid. Out of control, yeah. My God is not big enough. Yeah, right. That's where the focus, my perspective needs to change. Yeah. Because when I look at God, it's almighty power, then I have nothing to be afraid of. Right, yeah. But it's hard to remember that when you feel vulnerable and out of control. Yeah. Charlie? I think fear and love is very closely related to what you were saying, right? In the essence of, I think you mentioned, you know, like the loss of children. We tend to kind of love recklessly, I think. We think that maybe we love this child more than, than God does, mm. right? Which is why we fear um, losing them, right? Yeah. I briefly read the story recently of this Germanic chieftain when Germany was being evangelized, and his wife was a Christian before him. So she convinced him to have their baby baptized, 
and the baby died in his baptismal robes. Mm. His chieftain was furious and blamed God, and the wife rejoiced, saying, like, it was a mercy that God took this child to himself so yeah. and saved him from a life. Right, yeah, yeah, it's a good story. Fear, yeah, love. and that's definitely one that we, we fear. I know um, we worry about our grandchildren now, too, you know, the same way, but... but Always know and, and trust that God has them in His hand and He will care for them. Yeah. Anybody else? Anything? We ha let me ask another question. Um, and maybe, Charlie, you kind of already touched on that. What do our fears say we love? Kind of the same concept. But what does it say we love? Money or the comfort that money can bring. Yeah, that's a big one. That's true, yeah. And, and so then you say, well, what happens if that money's gone and I don't have it? We still have the Lord. We still have more than anything, more, more of what we need than anything else. It's, uh, it's a comfort to know that. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety and worry now. When we're actually overtaken by our fears, it's rarely as bad as anticipated. Um, from 1973 to 1986, I worked for a company in Seattle as a welder. I feared being laid off from that job. I had never been laid off the whole time I'd worked there, since we'd been married, actually. And it looked pretty scary to me. I, I couldn't imagine. I thought, wow, it um, could be a bad deal to be laid off. Um, then the unexpected thing happened. Um, I lost the job because of a labor dispute between the company and the union, and I was unable to draw unemployment. And furthermore, just before that lockout, all the welding jobs had been taken because there was a big layoff. A lot of welders got laid off, and so they all went out into the job market, and there weren't, there weren't any jobs to, to be had. Um, and so the company had intended to leave Seattle, so I knew there was no going back to that company no matter what. And so <clears throat> um, it, it, was, it was a tough time. And in short, God had given me an opportunity to trust him through it, and it was still very hard, and I was often discouraged and fearful. But God provided in wonderful and unexpected ways through that. He listened to my cries for help. I would say even sometimes providing before I even asked, which was an amazing blessing. Let's make some observations about worries or worriers. Worriers live in the future. Um, how often do we worry about yesterday. I can't think of any time I have. I mean, you might worry about something you said or did that may have repercussions for, the, for today, but you're still thinking future, right? You're thinking about, well, what I did may have a repercussion for today or tomorrow. So it's all future stuff. Um, dread, panic, nervousness, worry, and anxiety all speak of our potential future vulnerability. Um, it's like when I looked into the future as a welder and thought, I, I, I don't think being laid off is a good thing. I, I'm going to really, it'll be a problem if I ever do that. Worriers see the future in minute, gory detail. <laughs> um, I could see all kinds of really bad things happening if I got laid off. I, I figured it would be terrible for my family. We would end up homeless. And uh, yeah, I just had all kinds of things going on in my mind that I thought it was going to be a problem for. Warriors are false prophets. Hmm. That's a real concept right there. The things that are worried about, of course, are possible, 
so that's why the, there's a veneer of re reasonableness to the worrier. Um, but it, it rarely happens that the worry that was cast uh, is fulfilled in, in, in all the details that we put out there. Um, and, you know, honestly, for, for believers, when we, when we trust God for what we need, he's going to provide everything we need as we go through whatever it is that we're going through. So we don't need to worry about it in advance. Warriors are immune to, to uh, reason. <laughs> they don't listen real well. You could go to kind, all kinds of statistics and PhD studies and you know, people who are experts in the job markets and all these kinds of things to say, oh yeah, you see, you'll be fine. But the warrior says, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe somebody else will, but I won't be. Um, one message you might hear from warriors is, if I expect the worst... It will, I will be more prepared for it. <laughs> Worry is linked, looking for control. Once again, that control thing comes up, right? I like Matthew 6, verse 30. It, and it's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower. <clears throat> and he says, but if God clothes the grass, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Sometimes I, it feels like this could be a little bit um, off-putting and discouraging and confusing. Um, but we should be discouraged, uh, encouraged by this. The reason we're investigating some of the hidden features of fear is because God has beautiful words of comfort for fearful people. After you listen to your own fear, your own heart, and as you think about the things that cause you to fear... And then listen to God and hear what he says. So let me ask you, <clears throat> what is by far the most frequent command in Scripture? <laughs> Who said that? Will? Yes. Anybody have an idea how many times he says that? The most frequent command in Scripture. I've heard as many as 365. One for each, One for each day of the year. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm remiss, in, and I should have put this on the notes uh, that I handed out there, but there are some verses we're going to look at, and this is kind of a segue into next week, so I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. I'm just going to read a few uh, things that I think are pertinent and helpful. Um, so the Israelites in, in uh, Exodus 14 you can go there if you want to. I'm just going to read one verse. So picture this. Here they are. They're, they're running from Pharaoh. And God's taken them in the wilderness, kind of a circuitous route. And he's ended them up. Where? By the Red Sea. Where are they going to go? <laughs> they're trapped. And Pharaoh's coming at them with chariots and, and his army. And this is it. They're, their eyes are probably big as saucers. And they're really scared. And Moses... Um, so God speaks to, to the Israelites through Moses, and he says this. And Moses said to the people, you could just hear the command in his voice, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. He throws our fears 
into the sea. And we never see him again. In fact, I guess looking back at fears, you can say, wow, he answered that so marvelously. I don't have to worry about those things. That's a nice feeling. Isaiah 44 verse 8 says, Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? Are you, and you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. <clears throat> Matthew 28 verse 10 says, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Isn't it interesting that God is always looking for ways for us to see our Lord um, and see him in his glory, the mighty conqueror. Brian's sermon was very pertinent this morning. And and I think um, as you listen to that this morning, you're going to see that our Lord is victorious and we don't have any reason to fear. Mark 6, verse 50. For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus often said that, uh, so often to his disciples, that it was more like a greeting than a command. Why would he need to do that? In our human frailty, um, we are prone to fear. We're prone to forgetting that God Um, has given us his grace and his faithfulness. Uh, I want to maybe give you a short list of some verses to read and think about this week. If you can jot them down on your your paper there. Um, Isaiah 10, 24, uh, 37, verse 6, 54, verse 4, Jeremiah 1, verse 8, Daniel 10, 12, Matthew 14, 27, and 17, 5 to 7. I I encourage you to read them and meditate on them this week. Um, They will will, uh, speak to your fears and, and really give you some wonderful thoughts about how to approach that. Did I go too fast? Okay. <laughs> so, Isaiah 10, 24, 37, verse 6, 54, verse 4, Jeremiah 1, verse 8, Daniel 10, verse 12, Matthew 14, 27, and Matthew 17, 5 to 7. Earlier, yes. Matthew 6, verse 30. And where's the other one? Mark 6, verse 50. 6, verse 50. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. So we've got a couple minutes left. Any, any thoughts 
questions, comments? Yeah, do not lose heart. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, don't fear. Yeah, do not worry. Don't be anxious. Yeah, there's just so many things. It, I, it kind of opened my eyes as I started reading through this and, and studying this. Almost everything I read in, in God's Word made me think of that and think, wow, we don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to worry about. God is in control. Yeah. Chris, were you going to say something? or No. Okay. Yeah. I... Back to Psalm 3, it was way back when we were talking about the imagery of, a, of using a shield and referring to God as being the shield that he's using. In our modern times, we very seldom have a, a, a time when we would understand what that meant, mm-hmm. shield. <clears throat> but in law enforcement, there's two times where you might be in a situation. One is if you're at a riot or something like that, there are shields that you might have. And then uh, for some of the people who, if they have to go into a house or something like that or a building, they might have a, a shield in front of them. Um, I've never done the second one, uh, although I've, I know I've seen a situation where if one person has one of those shields and they're going to go into a house, they'll end up with everyone behind them. In yeah. Line. But I have been at a, at a riot, and if you're, you have two things. You could be standing there and you have basically a stick just simply what that is. It's a stick you're holding. And you have, you know, a bunch of people coming at you. That is a very vulnerable or scary situation. You feel like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do here. Yeah. I'm holding a stick. <clears throat> but if you're holding the shield, suddenly just the addition of that thing, a small wall in front of you, yeah. will increase your comfort or your confidence by a, a vast amount. And I think that's really a, a, something that you almost have to really think about to grasp how important it is when he says that God is his shield, yeah. how important that is to, yeah. to him. They use shields all the time. But and and one say. picture that I think about when I think about shields, as you're kind of talking about that, is, you know, I think in the, in the Roman uh, legions, when they would fight, they would, they would make a shield wall. And I think the police do, do that somewhat, too, where they, they put a... a wall of those shields up God puts a shield around us there's a wall around us that that is God's protection for us that's a really nice thought to know they actually had two types of shields one that you were talking about where it was a defensive one yeah. they had a smaller one which was offensive yeah. so when we went forward we could defend yeah. right yeah. yeah anybody else comments Yeah. That's a good question. I don't have it all in front of me. <laughs> um, next next week we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, my outline falls out of my head right now. Um, 
Yeah, that's a good question. And so maybe what I'll do is I'll print that off next week so that you can kind of see where we're going a little bit in advance. And uh, we will uh, get a little look ahead and understand how we're doing it. Um, good question. Uh, this is Edward Welch, who was asking that. Oh, March. Okay, yeah. Edward Welch, and it's called Running Scared. R.C. Sproul, every once in a while, brings up something in his, in his meditations about fear. And uh, let's see if I can remember the quote. Is... Courage, let's see, what, what is the one thing that has to be there if we're going to have courage? What is the one thing necessary for courage to be exhibited? I would say the acceptance of the fear itself. It's fear. Because if, if there's no fear, if there's nothing for us to be worried about, and maybe it is the acceptance of the fear. But if, if there's nothing for us to fear, we don't have to be courageous, right? <laughs> so in a sense, it's good for us to have fear. It, it makes us have to seek our God. It makes us, um, if we realize what our fear is, we know I can have courage because I, I have the Almighty, you know, and, and his, his wonderful victorious son standing next to me all around me, <laughs> protecting and guiding and giving us everything we need. Even people who were in the military, <clears throat> guys who have been in combat and close to it, know that you're not, not afraid what you do, but the courage empowers you to work through that fear. Yeah. You still do things. Yeah. So firefighters and you know, police officers and people have been in military battles yeah, yeah, right. And kind of one little point to build on that, too, is that one of the reasons they can do that, that they can go forward even though they're fearful, is the training that they've got. And we're going to talk about that because there's a lot of things we can do to train ourselves to be able to face the fear, walk forward in victory. Yeah. Pat? It just seems that if God didn't consider it, to be a very important aspect of our lives, he would not have addressed it so yeah. blatantly. Yeah. Um, made it such a, made the scripture so much aware. He wouldn't have repeated it three hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He tells us to fear not that yeah. much. Yeah. And he knows it's there. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and we'll find out later there's a purpose for why he does that too, Charlie. And with that, with what I'm saying, is the affirmative is that he says, instead, fear me. Yeah. Right, and that's where the courage comes from. Yeah. We are constantly recognizing that God is greater than the things set before us. You think of all of his habits of him constantly leading his people into dire odds. Getting, you have too many men, get rid of most of them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because my salvation is going to be that much greater and sweeter. Right? I am greater than this thing I'm sending you into. You think about when, too, I was thinking about the Exodus. The Israelites uh, with Jacob 
came to where Joseph was in Egypt. I don't imagine it took them 40 years to get there. <laughs> so, so here they are, they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. The wilderness is a scary place. I mean, there's no food, there's no water, there's no, yeah, there's all these things. We're going to talk about that next week quite a bit, actually. So, All right, we're out of time. So let's close in prayer. Oh, our God, we, we thank you for our fears and how they help us to see our vulnerability, our lack of control, our lack of ability to handle the things that are in front of us. But they also show us that in victory, you conquered all of our fears and that we can turn to you with our fears and our worries and our anxieties. And we can trust that you will always provide what we need. Thank you for that. And we pray that you'll bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>